Welcome to Westside Unscripted. This is the podcast where pastors loosen their ties, throw away their notes, and answer questions about all things theology and culture. I'm Josh Bartels, a deacon here at Westside, and I am joined by Pastor Peter Montoro, our preaching pastor here. And today's episode is going to be a little bit different than our usual fare. Usually we take a question about theology or culture and kind of start there and then move the conversation wherever that takes us. But today we're going to start by uh, talking about an article that Pastor Peter sent me uh, to read through, and it is called Conservatives Don't Do Research, and it is written by Aaron Wren. And so what what is he uh, talking about in this article, and, and what makes it uh, relevant to us and your situation? Yeah. So, I mean, I wanted to start out by saying, you know, like as with any as with any source, and any source really, the more something is worth reading, the more benefit, uh, the more caveats usually need to come with it. Uh, so, <laughs> anyone, you know, someone that always agrees with you all the time uh, probably isn't saying very much. So that that that's even a test to apply. But I think his podcast, uh, he has a podcast, he has a newsletter called The Masculinist, um, especially if you're a man. Um, but he he writes, he started out writing more about like men's issues and Christianity, but then he sort of branched out from there to more general cultural things, Christianity and a lot of things having to do with the culture. So I found him beneficial. Uh, so if you listen to podcasts, you you know follow newsletters, he'd be someone uh, that'd be worth following. But in this particular article, um, Ren talks about the, the fact that, you know, so his, what he's writing about is he does a lot of work on sociology, things on culture. Um, and uh, so some of his examples in the article have to do with urban poverty and housing. Um, and uh, the phenomenon that he, it's not a real long article, but he basically points out that a lot of, the original research uh, is done not by conservatives, but by those who would, you know, whether they're persons of goodwill or, you know, with malevolent bent, either either or. His examples are, you know, people who are genuinely attempting to do good research, um, but they're people of the left, and that frames the ways they they uh, would look at the evidence. Um, and so, a lot of conservatives. Uh, will end up, you know, going back to these studies and they'll give a different spin. But basically his point is there's no substitute for getting down into the coal mine and actually doing the work of original research uh, because that lends credibility to your project. Uh, so even if you can reinterpret, you know, the, the results of research, um, you, you're, you're starting off at a disadvantage if you don't do it yourself. Um, and so, you know, he's saying I'm part of this problem. I don't, you know, do that sort of research. Uh, and, uh, you know, basically a call for, you know, those who care about this sort of thing to do some of the hard work for themselves. Um, and so that's sort of intersected with something that I've seen as, as one of my life's goals for a really long time, a long time before I, you know, stumbled across this article. Um, well, I suppose since I subscribe, I didn't, can't be said to have stumbled across it. <laughs> but uh, anyways, before I read this article the other day and, and sent it to Brother Josh, um, is the fact that there is a credibility that only comes from doing the work at the ground level. And you know, it's it's not something that's so much a matter of particular results. And I, I was talking to Brother Philemon about this the other day, um, and uh, the example that came out in the course of the conversation is that of like, um, you can buy all your wheat from the store, uh, but at some level, then if the store closes, <laughs> then you can't buy uh, any bread anymore. You know, so if you buy all your own bread, uh, then you're vulnerable to a closure of the stores that sell bread. Well, then you could become a, you know, a baker and, uh, you know, but still you're vulnerable to, uh, you know, a closure of the flour mills, you know, that might sell you the flour. Uh, you could grow your own wheat, um, you know, and then that would be a little bit more resilient. Uh, but still, 
you know, at some level, there's a top of the food chain. There's the people who are doing the work of building seed beds, you know, the people who sell the seeds, right? So <laughs> the people who own land and people who sell seeds. Uh, and if you don't have your foot on, um, you know, on that playing field, <laughs> then you're at a disadvantage to those who do. Ultimately, they're the ones who are going to call shots when push comes to shove. And the point is not at all that we can't use seeds from, you know, any other source apart from our own sacred and, and pure ones, right? And the point is that we shouldn't use research from other sources either. Um, but the point is that there's a certain amount of integrity and freedom that comes with having your own hands in the coal mine. That's Ren's point, his article. Um, and that's my point in doing research that, you know, work on manuscripts, that's my field. I don't, you know, for a minute think that um, Christians should only use work that Christians do on manuscripts. But if everything at a high level is borrowed, there's a certain amount of fragility uh, to that setup. And there also is a question of integrity that it's like, we think this thing matters more than, you know, we think the scriptures matter more than anything else in the world. Um, but we're going to let the really hard work be done by the people who don't believe that uh, because we don't think the really hard work matters. Um, and, and no, you know, few people, some people would actually say that. Few people would, would actually uh, say it quite that baldly. Uh, but if we don't have at least some, it's not like every Christian leader or every church or every pastor by any means, you know, it's any more than any, every farmer has to have their own, you know, seed bank. Um, but yet, you know, if a community, you know, if America has, you know, we're seeing this uh, with Russia, Ukraine, and, and some of what's going on, you know, if America has no seed banks of its own, and they're all in China, then American farmers are in really big trouble if we go to war against China. Um, and so, it's that sort of situation where you have people who know the process from beginning to end um, of doing the, the original research that I think as a mark of integrity and seriousness on the part of the Christian community, as well as a sort of resilience that you have the people who have the skills, if you needed to do it all from scratch, all yourself, um, you could do that. So that's so the general, is, yeah. so it's, it's not, sort of a general not, overview. Yeah, yeah. It's not to say then that every person should have all of their own original information for everything. And that is the goal. Cause that's impossible. But rather that a community values yes. that kind of research so that people of our own community are contributing to the broader right. discussion from, from a point of uh, that point of authority that comes from having your hands down in it. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's even in terms of, you know, if we're going to go to say more skeptical scholars or those who wouldn't, you know, have faith in Christ and where to say, you know, you guys have got it all wrong. Well, we need to have, you know, it's, we need to have done the, you know, done the work of, you know, so that the, the accusation of sour grapes falls short, you know, that, hey, here are these other people over here who are just as, you know, learned as you are in, in, in these ways, uh, and yet they believe in Christ, you know, so then that isn't just an argument directed to persuade some skeptic, that's also a, a reality that's helpful to just someone on the street and saying, hey, we're not just a case of sour grapes that we, you know, don't know. <laughs> you know, what actually took place. And, and so therefore we make up our own stuff that actually we do know, and we choose to believe in Christ anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'd be interested to hear what you think about this, because I, th I think though there is a, there is a ditch on the other side of the road, not in terms of doing too much research, but in terms of when it comes to just practical Christian living, one wants to, one values this kind of uh, intellectual engagement with the issues and knows that, okay, like if I were to talk about something, uh, well, well, for instance, a good example is we talked about on the podcast uh, earlier in the 
the podcast about how, uh, about the age of the earth, right? right? Like, so that's the kind of thing that in order to speak to it, there needs to be some kind of, uh, understanding of what the broader, uh, about biology, about actual science, you know, like there, there's a lot of different fields that come into play so that one who values this kind of thing, like you do is willing to say, okay, there are things I don't know. But there are people who take that further than you do in terms of like creation right. to the point of saying, well, actually, it's evolution that has brought us here. We're going to do away with historic Adam because we, we don't have our fingers in, in the science there. And we want to be seen as respecting people who do have their fingers yeah. in the science. And so we make – it's almost like there's a I – don't, I don't know, a, a, a contamination then of – yeah, Christian yeah, yeah, living yeah. on the ground that comes from wanting to be everything to be so rooted yes. intellectually yeah, 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 yeah. that we're not willing to just accept the, you well, know. I think, the, yeah, I think there's, I think, I think you put your finger on a really key thing that there's, there's sort of two ways of looking at this. You know, one way is the quest for intellectual respectability, you know, and mm-hmm. you could maybe, you know, call that a desire for a seat at the table. And so that's a powerful pressure within the academy, right? That you're, you, you want to make Christianity acceptable to its culture despisers, right. as Schleier Marco said. Yeah. And I think that's a, you know, that's a poisonous temptation. Like that is not what I'm talking about at all. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, basically, and, 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 and so then whatever the, you know, current consensus is, then you bow to that, um, or you find a way to make Christianity, account, you know, uh, compatible with that. Um, you know, and that could be, an academic consensus, that could be a cultural consensus, that could be whatever, right? So you want to make Christianity acceptable to the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's evil. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's an Absolutely. understandable temptation. Um, uh, and certainly we shouldn't make Christianity needlessly offensive. We should, you know, clear away obstacles to it. But that, you know, the danger there is to basically give up what you have to, whatever you have to give up to, have, to keep a seat at the table. And I think what I'm talking about isn't so much a seat at the table in the academy, but that the academy shouldn't be the only people in the coal mine. Yeah, right. That's that's a different question. Right. And and in fact, it's because, you know, the coal mine has been surrendered to the academy that people feel to have any intellectual credibility, they have to keep their seat at the table. But mm-hmm. the prior problem is the one I'm pointing to, that even, you know, seminaries generally, you know, so the church doesn't no longer has much of a church, you know, generally speaking, not our church, but churches in general, uh, doesn't do much to support actual research or intellectual labor. Um, and even seminaries often do very little. And those seminaries that do support and do value that sort of stuff often do it as a means to a seat at the table in the academy rather than an end in its own right. Um, and so what I'm talking about is from an ecclesial, you know, like people who are rooted in the church and the culture of the church and the priorities of the church who are actually doing non-pragmatic, not immediate payoff sort of work um, you know, say, so an example is, uh, this isn't what I'm doing, but an example of the sort of way this can trickle down, um, is the work of lexicography or the making of dictionaries. So, you know, if you make a Greek dictionary, um, that's going to happen. If you make, you know, the standard, standard, uh, Greek lexicon, uh, that's going to be used, um, by people who write commentators, you know, but not, mm. not by people who write commentators, the, by people who write yeah, commentaries, right. the commentators are those who write commentaries. Um, and it's going to have an influence on them. And that's going to, you know, it's going to, it's going to, so you write, you know, you do a high level lexicon that's super, you know, really high level scholarship and you're, 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 you're writing a new dictionary, right? And then that's going to affect 
um, the high-level commentaries on the Greek text. Um, and then those high-level commentaries are going to affect uh, the mid-level commentaries that pastors are going to use. And then those mid-level commentaries are going to affect the commentaries that, you know, a standard, you know, layperson or person in the pew is going to, is going to access or that maybe a, a less educated pastor is going to use. And so it takes a long time. There's this trajectory. And really, it starts even before the dictionary. It starts with journal articles in, you know, <laughs> scholarly journals about words where people write articles and they make arguments. And then those arguments find their way into the lexicons, into the technical works, into the monographs, and then, you know, all the way trickle-down effect. Um, and what tends to happen is that, you know, Protestants, evangelicals have done a huge, the mid-level commentary space is dominated by evangelicals. The commentaries that pastors use, there are so many of them, uh, but that you go, you move up into the higher level commentary, you know, the detailed commentary on the Greek or Hebrew text. And that's, there are exceptions, but it's dominated by non-evangelicals. You yeah. know, some of them may be Christians, um, but it's, it's dominated by people who would be maybe more liberal theologically. Um, and then you move up the food chain and the domination is even stronger the higher up you get. Um, and, you know, what I would want to argue for, and I'm not the only person, this is something that I think Tindo House has done a really good job of, of, and one of the reasons I love it so much, is they're trying to say, let's get Bible believers back in the coal mines. And let's, let's dig the coal for ourselves um, because then we're not just trying to, rather than being sifters, let's, because when you've actually been in the mine, then that enables you to evaluate other people's work much, much better. Um, you know, even in other fields, like you can't be an expert on everything, but if you know what expertise takes, it's much easier to spot a fraud, which the evangelical world is beset with charlatans of every variety. Uh, and so if you've done work by yourself, you can tell, um, even if you can't check every stage of someone's work, you can tell a general feel of someone who's done their homework and someone who hasn't. Um, and so that's a helpful thing as well. Uh, so that, does that make a little more? I think yeah. I, I, so I would say though, so to go the other direction, right? So if one ditch is that desire for the respectability of the academy, the other ditch is like a desire of respectability of our own people in a way, or has yes. turned into that where it's the same thing, right. but it shows up as extreme disdain for anything that looks intellectual or looks like right. it could be moving towards right, acceptability exactly. because we, we, there's, there's the advance in the academy against Christian value. And so the, the immediate assumption then is that those people who would want to get in the coal mine all want to see it at the table. Like uh, that, the, there could easily be that motive attached to everyone who wants yeah, to be. Yeah, and I want to be clear. Like a seat, at, you know, right, a seat yeah. at the table isn't bad. Yeah, in sure, and of itself, right, right. the problem is what you're willing to give up to keep it. Yeah. Do you, you want? Know? Yeah. Is your goal the seat at the right. table, or is your goal well, it's like to money. work? Yeah. You know, money isn't bad. Right. But if money becomes your goal, um, you know, even if you're like, I'm only going to get money uh, by legitimate means. If money is your goal, if money isn't becomes an end in and of itself you know, then you've, you've sold out. Mm -hmm. You already, you've already determined what the course of your life is going to look like. Yeah. Um, and I'd say the same thing about academic respectability or whatever, but if your love is for the truth and for the flourishing of Christ's church and to be faithful and to have integrity, mm -hmm. um, you know, then I think you're in a much better place, uh, rather than, you know, having this sort of idolatrous goal to begin with. Mm -hmm. And if that leads to a seat at the table, um, and, and, you know, since money is good, you know, it, you know, let's say the seat at the table and money are the same thing. Yeah. Um, the deeper you get in the coal mine, the easier it is to, to win that, you know, so that, you know, fields like textual criticism or biblical language is doing that sort of work. The work is so hard and there's so few laborers that, um, 
you know, if you want to, you know, take over the theological department of a, you know, local university, you've got a hard row to hoe, you know, that's not really going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but you can have that influence at a much higher, more abstract level. Um, yeah. Do you think that, like, if we were to get to some of what is motivating this kind of uh, our retreat, I guess, from some of the cold mine issues, specifically in regards to the church, obviously, Aaron is talking about things right. broadly, conservatives and conservative yeah, issues. Yeah, he's not even talking about Christianity specifically. Right. It's a much broader sort of issue. So if we're talking, and, and we limit the conversation specifically to the church and our not necessarily even in the institutional church, so that factors in, but just Christians engaging in the high-level coal mine type stuff. Uh, do you think that it is motivated by a, just a general disengagement from culture more broadly, or like a disengagement from practical matters? Is this a Gnosticism thing that's doing this? What, it, what do you be. think is what do you I think mean, is kind of driving? Alan Jacobs this? has talked about you know, how uh, there's a lot of conservatives or uh, conservative isn't really maybe even the right label, but, you know, there's a lot of people who are very agitated by the, you know, the long march through the institutions is the phrase. Um, and yet uh, he's pointed out that many of the people who are most upset about that are the people least likely to have the patience to do any sort of long march of their own, <laughs> um, you know, because it actually takes a lot of, you know, there's a lot of work that's gone into the, mm-hmm. this sort of conquering of the institutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, honestly, I think some of it's been in eschatology that, you know, the, the lifeboat eschatology of, of say, D.L. Moody, um, that basically, you know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket um, and literally, you know, so, so we should, you know, just get as many people into lifeboat as we can. And I want to say that there's a good element. That's not, a, that's not necessarily a bad motivation it just isn't a very sustainable way of approaching society. You know, that it was really the abandonment of any long-term, you know, the basic boring labors of community building uh, and the surrender, even Moody's surrender, where he's backed by big industrialists um, and they're, you know, funding him because he's not challenging them when he, I think, should have been, you know, when Christians should have opposed the social Darwinianism of the late 19th century. If they had done that better, <laughs> our, our country would be in a better place now. So you know, looking at the very pragmatic issues only without also, and it's not like a, you know, either or that we shouldn't be looking at this. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. We need, you know, people who are going out and are primarily, evan- you know, primarily evangelists and everyone should be evangelizing, evangelizing, you know, but if no one does anything but evangelize, then you have a community that doesn't disciple, um, you know, and so we need people who are discipling and you, we need people who are doing all of these different things. And there's something Ashley and I were, you know, talking about, there's so many good things, but we need to be, you know, even in a Christian community, like we need, everyone should be hospitable, you know, but not everyone can host five times a week. Everyone, you know, should be open to having children. Uh, if you're married, if you're not married, then you shouldn't be, but you know, every family should <laughs> yeah. be welcoming to children, mm-hmm. but maybe not every family is going to be able to have 10 or 12 children, you know, um, and that's fine. You know, everyone should pray, but not everyone's going to be able to pray for four hours a day. Everyone should be that because you can't, you're, we're human. So I right, think it's, it's right. recognizing yeah. the diversity of work that's needed in the vineyard of the Lord mm-hmm. um, and being content to, to do what God's given us to do uh, without making it 
the measure of what everyone else has been called to do. Right. And yeah. really looking to then to see, what am I going to do, a young person? What am I going to do with my life? Mm-hmm. Well, where are the gaps in not just the vineyard globally, but in the community that I'm a part of? You know, what what's needed? Yeah. And, and what can I do to help make, help build the kingdom and help keep the lights on, yeah. as it were? Yeah. And that, so that, because that's where I would want to go next is just, if we as a church, if the community of Christianity should support this kind of work, obviously that means that each community has different roles to play. Each individual local church has different roles to play in that. And then each individual has a different way of supporting that kind of work. So how would it, what would it look like for members of Westside to support this kind of endeavor, uh, whether that's individually or as a church, what, what, yeah, I mean, so in a way, like Westside has been doing that ever, yeah. you know, I've been in a, you know, PhD program for the past, oh, I'm in the fourth year, fourth year now, and I've got two more years and a few months to go uh, if I finish in the minimum time, which is, you know, so it's been, yeah. it's been a journey for me because I was thinking this was going to be my main focus, and now this has been a secondary focus because I'm in the preaching pastor, and that's my, you know, going to take the best of my energies, um, you know, but I still, still am in the PhD program, you know, so for those of you who don't know, uh, I'm working on the textual transmission of Chrysostom's homilies on Romans. So Chrysostom's a fourth century, fourth century a Greek-speaking uh, a preacher, uh, and I'm really uh, interested in the way that these these uh, sermons on Romans in Greek—they're the oldest uh, Greek sermons, you know, Greek commentary on Romans—are um, an important source for understanding uh, the history of the New Testament text because they contain the New Testament text, and then you know the sorts of changes that take place in these you know commentary manuscripts. Uh, take place in manuscripts of the Greek New Testament as well. So I won't go into, you know, all the technical details on a podcast like this, uh, but um, there's some, you know, some some really in, important work to be done on that. Um, and so that's, you know, that's what I'm, that's, yeah. that's what I'm, so textual yeah. transmission is sort of my field. Right. So I, so I would, I guess, want to say to everyone listening is that uh, Westside actively supports this kind of work by allowing our pastor to pursue a PhD and that uh, it is a sacrifice on the church's part. There are things that you are not able to do as a result of pursuing the PhD and doing it with the level of excellence that you both think is right to do and that you just as a person dedicate to this kind of thing. So that, uh, but that that's a sacrifice that is worth a church making. I really think that like that is one of the ways that we support is by allowing Absolutely. you that kind of time to dedicate to this kind of work. And it's the kind of work that is a long-term investment because it's not immediate. So there's immediate benefits, right? In the, in the terms of uh, the preaching and teaching ministry of Westside, because this kind of work does benefit your study. But the type, the direct result of the kind of research that you do is not going to be the kind of result that is felt by us next year or even in 10 right, years. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that is going to be felt, God willing, I, I believe, by the Christian community in 100 years, God willing, that is the trickle down, like you were saying, to pastors and preachers in that mid-level commentary section that it's going to yeah. take, it's going to take years. And it's not even the kind of, it's really the casting our bread up on the water and, and, Letting right. it come you back after many days. You yeah, have no exactly. idea where it's where it's exactly. going. Who's going to benefit from it? But we trust that this is a this is a thing that is good to do, and we're willing to throw the seat out there. That's exact. That's exactly the way. And I, I feel a deep gratitude, you know, for um, 
you know, having, having the opportunity to do this. And, and it's, you know, part of this is that, you know, me, me saying thank you that we are doing, you know, we are doing this and I'm, I'm hoping, um, you know, at this point I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, laboring to get my coal miner certificate <laughs> as it were, yeah. but, um, yeah, I'm doing, doing, you know, doing the work along the way, yeah. but with a PhD, it's also, you know, can open doors for other opportunities. And so that's something I've done a lot of thinking about, and I don't know exactly, you know, I've got to get this degree done. Mm-hmm. I am ready to be done with it. Yeah. Uh, but once I get that done and, and Lord willing, uh, get it published, um, you know, even things like the school of ministry, even like a homeschool co-op, you know, we just don't know what the needs are going to be down the road. And it's, it's sometimes those skills you gain in one area end up being, you know, or credentials you gain in one area ended up, end up being very valuable uh, in some other area you didn't expect, you know, yeah. and I, that's certainly been the case for me. I never, you know, expected, couldn't have predicted the, the trajectory that the past three, four years have been for me. Um, and yet I've, I've seen the Lord's hand at work and I'm excited to see what, uh, what he'll do uh, in the future. So, yeah, I think that uh, even another way that we can support it is trying to s- just set our kids up with good education, just teach them well, so that then they have, so that they're further ahead when they come to the time in life where they start just deciding where in the Christian community they fit in. If they don't have, uh, the tools of a good education, then there's going to be limited places that right. they can fit. Exactly. But if we give our kids a really solid education, whatever that looks like, then they'll have the tools to be ready to pursue this kind of work. Yeah, and that's you know I think it's it's not and I think the sort of way that people can sometimes misunderstand that is like we want everyone to be you know egghead academics, and that's not my mentality at all. But like, you don't want to forestall certain opportunities, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so it may be like the Christian community needs good plumbers and needs good electricians, and those are skills. You know, those are skills that are needed as well, yeah. and and they're not less important. Exactly. You know, the, yeah. it, it's just my desire for my kids is that they, you know, have a balance so they're exposed to different opportunities. Like, y- you never know if you're, you know, excellent at calculus if you've never done calculus. You know, yeah, you may right. be a brilliant mathematician, but if you've never been given the opportunity to, to do maths at a high level, then you wouldn't know. Um, and so that's one of the, you know, that's why you have, you know, that's why it's important that everyone does algebra because society as a whole needs some really good mathematicians, you know, American, mm-hmm. American, you know, even broadening it from the Christian community, America needs good mathematicians. Um, and so only if everyone does math to a certain level, can you even identify those who might be adept at it? Um, and I think that's, you know, the same thing that having, you know, an education for our children that builds a foundation for everything and then exposes them, like, pursue excellence in something. You know, be, <laughs> what, what can you do really well? If that's being an HVAC technician, if that's being a Greek lexicographer, um, if that's being a painter or a novel writer or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, that there's something about excellence that glorifies God. Yep. Uh, and, and we want to raise our children to do that, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever that would look like. Mm-hmm. But you know, and there and there are ways in each of those fields. I mean, we talk about the the coal miner analogy and that high level, and they're the ones casting the seed that's going to spread. The but you thing, need the, farmers the thing too. is, is all of those that 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 idea of like doing excellent work and being at the top of your game and that trickling down to everyone else applies no matter where you are in life. Exactly. If you're a mom and you raise godly children, not who are just ready to live and be good people then that is sowing the seed for literally thousands and thousands and depending on how long God waits, like you'll have thousands of descendants who came that you were a faithful link in that chain in time. 
And so this, this applies to all of us, wherever we are. It's not the kind of thing that we're saying that this is the highest level of work in the in a church. Exactly. It's that it's that excellence wherever God has placed you with the gifting and abilities. It's basically a call not to be short, not to be short sighted. Yeah. You know whether you know because this same I think what you're saying is so mm-hmm. good because it's the same short sightedness that shows up and I see it in the academy or in the church. You know, shows up in parenting that you cut corners mm-hmm. when your kids are young. You're like, yeah, Johnny doesn't have to eat his green, you know, green peas, but. Green peas. What are green peas? Well, you know, I don't know what the uh, other peas are, but I think most peas are green. That's right. I think I was mixing green beans and peas. Okay, uh, so Johnny okay. doesn't have to eat his lima beans. We'll say those kind okay, of beans. Yeah, right? So yeah. Johnny, Johnny doesn't have to eat his lima beans. Um, when you could win the battle there, you know, with with training your children. Yeah, right. So you, you cut the corner. Well, now, you know, Johnny wants to run around with his girlfriend, and the passion is much, much stronger and much, much harder mm-hmm. to deal with. You could have you know, gained some of that control and discipline and respect from yeah. the children 10 years ago, 12 years ago, now it's so much harder, yeah. you know? And then of course, if the parents don't deal with that, you know, now Johnny wants to drive at 120 miles an hour and now he's dealing with the police officers, mm-hmm. you know, and now he's, you know, you know, all along the way that basically a cutting corners always costs more than it saves. Um, well, yeah. maybe not, but in, in, in general, always, but as, the, the, yeah, as, a, as, a, as, a, as yeah. a generally applicable principle, that's the, yeah. the thing. And that's, you know, what I see in, in the realms that I'm familiar with. And that's what I want everyone to apply, you know, whether to their parenting or to their, you know, work at the shipyard or just really across the board to mm-hmm. be a people that are the new humanity that are excellent in every respect that that God is forming in Christ. Indeed. Well, this has been a, a very interesting conversation. I th- I'm really thankful for the time we've had to talk about it. And uh, we'll be back again, God willing, next week with another episode. So you can send your questions on to me. Uh, Josh at Bible Direction for Life, and uh, we'll get those queued up and probably tackle some of those. Or if you have any comments or thoughts on top of this. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say if you have an anonymous question, now we're not going to guarantee that we'll take every anonymous question we get, <laughs> but if you have a burning question and you don't even want Brother Josh to know that it's right. attached to you, you can uh, put a question in the offering a box in the back of the auditorium at church, and uh, Brother Josh will get it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then we we may, if it's an interesting enough question, we may uh, decide to tackle it even without knowing who it came from. Yeah, that'd be great. We'd love to love to hear those questions. So send them in. But until uh, we are back with you next time, uh, we hope the Lord blesses you, and we look forward to being with you next week again for more Westside Inscripted. Side Inscripted.